Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey everybody, it is Thursday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Joined, as always, for our Thursday video with Paul Zeiss, the Zeiss is Right episode here on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel on our podcast networks. Uh, Paul, we're going to talk a lot about receivers. It's one of our favorite topics. Uh, I feel like you and I get into it every week, but before we get too far into that, how are you? Uh, I'm not, I'm doing okay today. I've, uh, I've I've had a little bit of a rough day, but I it's uh, it's it's going to be all right. But yes, I'm doing good, Adam. And uh, we got a lot of things to get to. Luckily, in this town, there's always something to talk about, right? And we never have a shortage of topics. That's for sure. Absolutely, we're going to get into Martavis Bryant joining the Cowboys and not the Steelers for his latest chance in the NFL. A little bit about George Pickens and the drama that has ensnared him this week. And then, of course, Broderick Jones taking over for Chooks for at right tackle in the starting lineup. Those are our Steelers topics. Then later on, we will get into Penn State's big showdown with Michigan, the Michigan sign-stealing saga, and maybe a little bit of Pitt and Penguins if we have time. Uh, before we get too far, I just want to uh, remind you that our sponsor for this episode of the podcast is Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round, schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Paul, Martavis Bryant signed with the Cowboys this week. Uh, hasn't been in the league for, I think, five years, uh, 2018, uh, when he flamed out with the Raiders. Um, but you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about the, the guy, the, the excitement that used to surround him when he was with the Steelers, the combination of size and speed. Um, and, and some people on social media have said, Hey, I, I wish the Steelers were the ones that had taken a chance on this guy one more time, given their familiarity with him, given that he, you know, at 31 seems to have matured to a certain degree. What is your thought on on whether the Steelers should have brought Martavis Bryant back to this group of receivers, given that, you know, we talk about it every week. Beyond Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, there's not a whole lot going on. You would think maybe he could be a guy that could come in here and, and make an impact. Well, we've talked about it a lot, Adam, haven't we, uh, the receiving core. We've talked about how much help they need, and we've talked about the fact that they could go out and try and get another guy. That being said, I understand why they didn't. I understand why it, it just probably is best that he went somewhere else. Um, you know, a and and again, he's matured. He's new. You know, he's he's matured. He's you know, obviously uh, got some of his life uh, together and cleaned up some of the stuff that was obviously holding him back. 
but I can't imagine you come here and you're not you're not getting a fresh start here. You're just not. You know the baggage that you have, all of the things that we remember you had and and, and that remember that you did. You're you're not going to get a fresh, clean start like you will somewhere else. By going to Dallas, I think it gives him the best chance to be successful. Right? He's in Dallas. It's a clean slate. They put him on the practice squad. If he's good enough, if he's got, you know, the, the talent still that, or, you know, the speed or whatever, the athletic, right. Eventually he'll get into the NFL and he might be able to have a fresh start and sort of, you know, get a clean slate. Cowboys fans aren't going to boo him every time he makes a mistake. Whereas here, you know, I think the scrutiny would be a lot more for him. Uh, plus the familiarity of, of certain places where he's already not had success in life, if you know what I mean. Uh, and why, why, you know, why bring him back to this? Why, you know, uh, all that stuff. Why bring him back? Why would he come back? I think it's good. I'm glad he's getting another shot. I think it'd be a great story if he has another year or two where he just, you know, he, he finishes this year and then plays another year or two and sort of writes the ending of his of his NFL career in a much better way than it is currently now. But I just don't think it could have worked here. I, I, I think that when you have a, a guy with that much baggage who's sort of let the fan base and let the team and let himself down as many times as he has, it's really hard to have people now, you know, have faith in you. And if it doesn't go really, really well immediately, all of a sudden now what happens? You know, you start to uh, your old demons start to get brought up and thrown at you. So by going to Dallas, it's a it's a clean slate, a fresh start. He hadn't been there before. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think that's all fair, Paul. Um, There's a lot to be said for clean slates. So I get I get the decision in that regard with with this specific player. But I do think there's an opportunity to talk about um, the, the lack of size in the Steelers receiving core. Miles Boykin's the only guy who is as tall as Martavis Bryant at 6'4", 220. And everyone else, uh, George Pickens included, aren't exactly throwing around a ton of size. Um, you know, a lot of them are 6'2 and shorter. George Pickens is 6'3". Um, do you think that the Steelers receiving core lacks size such that when a guy like Martavis Bryant becomes available, it's understandable why a Steelers fan would say, hey, it'd be great to have that guy in this group he, you know, diversify the threats a little bit more, um, you know, bring some size to, to, to balance out the, the speed and, and route running you think you have and guys like Deontay Johnson. Um, I think that's why there was, I, I forget the name of that XFL receiver they had in camp, um, you know, in, in, in the, you know, offseason workouts. Um, and you and I said, hey, I mean, there's a reason he's in the XFL, but people were just so excited because he was something that was different than was than what was in this receiving core. Um, what would you say about the overall size and the and the makeup of the Steelers receiving cores? Is it are they big enough? Well, you'd obviously like that for them to have a big guy, you know, a big, a bigger, taller guy, and you see the difference it makes when you've got that guy. And Adam, listen, from a football standpoint, purely one hundred percent football standpoint, Martavis Bryant would have been a a, a no brainer for them to sign. But unfortunately, there's more at work and more at play with him. And that's that was my only point. Uh, from a football standpoint, I think he could help. I really do. I think he could be a guy who's an asset 
especially if he's able to play at the level that, that he's been able, you know, that he's played at when he was younger and everything. But it's different now. And so that's why you really can't sign him. But to your point, that's one of the things they need is a, is a bigger receiver. I think that's a, a, you know, that's, you know, Pickens has got a little bit of size to him, but he's kind of skinny. <laughs> and I think the big thing about him is Pickens is not a size receiver. You know, he's sort of your speed acrobatic receiver. You know, they don't have that big guy who is a tough matchup for cornerbacks, you know, who can make the, the combat catches, who can use his body to freeze out, you know, defenders and all that other stuff. They really don't have that guy. And so to me, uh, you want to go find that guy. I don't know uh, if, if it's your first pick next year or if it's in free agency or whatever, but, you know, we've talked a lot about how inadequate we think their receiving core is to begin with, but that's a good place to start. Find a guy that gives you some size. Find a guy that can be that, that big physical receiver. I think those guys are very in, uh, they're, they're very hard to find, but I think they're invaluable if you can get one. Especially in the context of this George Pickens discourse, Paul, which is we're going to get into the the kind of off field um, and and the attitude issues later on. But you know, there's been a lot of talk about you know George Pickens' lack of production being because he's drawing a lot of coverage away from the other guys and opening things up. And I think there's some validity to that. But at a certain point, you got to get more out of your star wide receiver as well. And what's the one way you do that is you have guys drawing coverage off each other. And I think that's the a main problem with the Steelers receiving core right now is that you're not able to get the most out of George Pickens because he is a threat that other teams say we can live with stopping him and, and, and giving ourselves a chance to win by stopping everyone else. And if not for, you know, a few plays going the Steelers way or yeah, the Steelers way, I think if some of those, those games would have gone that way. So I think, um, you know, in, in that context, it, it would make sense. Well, I also wanted to ask about, they still only have five receivers on this team. Um, they never replaced Gunnar Olszewski after he was cut. So that gives you five receivers on the roster. Are you surprised that they have not gone gone after anyone, let alone, you know, it's not like they grow guys like Martavis Bryant on trees. You can just <laughs> snag off, you know, the free agent wire. Uh, but are you surprised they haven't picked a single player to kind of come in here and, and maybe mix things up a little bit? Well, Adam, what has my theme been since really, you know, early in the spring when the offseason was kind of winding down? <laughs> What has my theme been? They didn't adequately address the wide receiver room. And guess what? I'm starting to think that maybe they just don't value the wide receiver room. I, I'm not sure what exactly is happening here. They should have gone out and gotten another receiver. I don't know that you're going to find a star. I don't know that you're going to even find anyone that can, you know, that, that can really even break into your normal rotation. But what they have right now is not good enough. It's not, it's not adequate. It's not good enough. There's not enough depth. I think they don't, they don't have enough uh, 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 diversity in terms of, you know, the kinds of receivers they have. It, it, it's puzzling to me. It's almost like they, they're saying, well, we can live with whatever happens at receiver because we're good enough elsewhere to overcome it. And I got to be honest with you, that's just not the case. Uh, so when if you ask me, am I surprised that they did not address this so uh, in, in the offseason or, or I'm sorry, during the season or even after they got rid of Gunnar Olszewski? No, I'm not surprised even a little bit because they've shown me this entire year that they don't value receivers, apparently, or they don't think, they, they don't think they need more receivers. 
I'm not sure what it is, uh, but it makes very little sense to me how they've managed that position almost starting since the end of last season. Yeah, we talk about it every week. I just wanted to set you up and let you preach because <laughs> I agree with everything you're saying. Um, Paul, let's get into this this George Pickens stuff. Everyone on the team is acting like we're crazy, uh, that, that you would see him take all of his Steelers stuff off of social media not congratulate Deontay Johnson on the sideline side after his first touchdown in a, you know over a year. Uh, generally look like he's upset while he is not getting the ball as much as I'm sure he would like. And then Mike Tomlin, him, they act like, oh, we're, it's almost like we're getting gaslit here, like we're observing nothing. Um, what do you think of, of that situation? Is it is it the type of thing you can live with when you're winning as they have um, to this point? Or is is this one of those things that if, if the Steelers go into any kind of prolonged slump here in the second half of the season, you could see this situation getting ugly pretty quickly? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Well, I mean, I think it's one of those things where, um, you know, Mike Tomlin probably has addressed this behind closed doors. I I have a hard time believing he hasn't at least talked to um, George Pickens and said, hey, listen, um, you know, you're, you're obviously one of our guys. The ball's not going to come your way all the time. What you should be, you know, concerned about is winning. And we'll get you the ball. We'll get you, you know, in position. To win. I guarantee you he has uh, uh, at least addressed it. Now, the, the, the thing about it is, Adam, it's not a problem until it becomes a problem, right? Antonio Brown wasn't a problem until he became a problem. You know, a great example, Antonio Brown's uh, dancing or whatever, uh, you know, that when he was getting 15-yard penalties, it wasn't a problem until the game where it actually led to the other team getting the ball. I think it, it was a short kickoff, and the other team either ran it back for a touchdown or ran it, you know what I mean? And now all of a sudden it is a problem, you know, when you start getting penalties. So, to me, it's one of those things, if you're the Steelers, you want to probably nip this thing in the butt. And you want to basically say, listen, I get it. You're, you're a receiver. You're a little bit of a diva. You know, that's why, you know, we're, we're going to let you be you. We want you to have a little bit of your own personality. And we want – but you can't act like – you know, you, you can't act like the way uh, you're acting on the sidelines when things don't go your way. You know, the social media stuff, I'm sure the Steelers don't care about that. You know, nor, nor, should, nor do I. If he wants to unfollow people on social media, okay, whatever. I mean, if you're going to be – but the big thing is on the sidelines. Are you, you know, screaming and yelling? So we've seen that before where he's yelling and screaming because, you know, he didn't get the ball. Are you, are you sulking? Are you pouting? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? Is your body language uh, stink? Are you are you not being a good teammate? If you're not – those are the things that you got to nip in the butt and before they become a big problem. And, you know, the other part of it is the social media stuff where he takes these veiled shots where, what do you say, free George? Is that the hashtag free George or something like that? Oh, he have, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, you know, freedom of speech, I guess. But there's not that much of a, a, a buffer between that and, you know, this coaching socks or, you know, whatever else like that. So, again, 
I say it's not a problem until it becomes a problem. Right now, I haven't seen anything that I would say is a problem. There are some things that are problematic and make you wonder about going down, you know, going as we go forward. But, I mean, the unfollowing stuff, I don't care about that stuff. He just needs to grow up. And I think we knew that when they drafted him. It was one of the knocks on him coming out of uh, uh, coming out of uh, 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 Georgia. It was one of the, the knocks on him going into the draft. Uh, he needs to grow up. And the other part of it is, I'm glad you're competitive and want the football. Every receiver wants the football. But you know what? There's something to be said about also being a good teammate. And even if you're frustrated and angry, you should celebrate with your teammates when you score a touchdown. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. Well, I, yeah, I have two problems with this, this Paul, and, and some of the Steelers' logic that they're presenting here. Number one, you know, George Pickens is not Antonio Brown. Maybe someday he could be. Maybe someday he'll be one of those household names, transcendent talents. But the Steelers put up with the Antonio Brown's crap because Antonio Brown did things that no <laughs> one who's ever played for the Steelers has ever done before and no one may ever do again. Um, he was he was a once-in-a-lifetime type of player. He has undermined that with what he's done off the field. But they were willing to deal with a certain amount of stuff because he was, for a period of years, the best receiver in the NFL. And I don't think it was particularly close. George Pickens is nowhere close to that stratosphere yet. And for him to be, you know, hinting at being, you know, showing those same behaviors that we saw from Antonio Brown, the same type of behaviors that undid Chase Claypool here in Pittsburgh, I think is is requires a little bit more than just a meeting behind closed doors. And here's why I'll tell you why, Paul, because Mike Tomlin did throw Chooks on Okorafor under the bus this week. He was asked if his frustrations that boiled over on the sideline were part of the reason that he got benched. And Mike Tomlin told reporters, yeah. So it's, it's like there's a, a bit of a double standard here on the in the same locker room. Antonio Brown's been gone for years, but – Chooks Okorafor is being handled differently than George Pickens. And granted, there's no rookie like Broderick Jones breathing down George Pickens' neck. But how do you treat George Pickens that way and then go treat Chooks Okorafor another way? Because you don't have anyone else on your roster that can do what George Pickens can do. And here's the other thing, Adam. I don't believe for one second, for one second, that what Broderick Jones or, or what uh, uh, Chooks Okorafor did, if there wasn't a Broderick Jones waiting in the wings and a guy who was a first-round pick who they've been trying to get in the lineup, if that wasn't the – I don't believe he did. Whatever uh, Chooks Okorafor did, it's an excuse to get him out of the lineup. It's In other words, it's it, – it, you know, on one hand with George Pickens, we're going to explain it away. Over here, we're going to make a mountain out of a molehill because if we make a mountain over a molehill out of here – then we can explain why Broderick Jones is playing. Um, and why all of a sudden, you know, in the offseason, we are now able to get rid of George, uh, of Chooks Okorafor in his contract. Um, my point is, whatever happened with Chooks Okorafor, I don't believe for one second that's the reason why, you know, he's, he's, he's out and that Broderick Jones is in forever. Um, it's pretty clear to me they wanted Broderick Jones to be the guy at that position. It's pretty clear to me that if he wasn't the guy, they wouldn't be playing him. So I look at it and say, this is a, you know, you, you, you answered it yourself when you say they don't have another George Pickens anywhere on their roster or in their organization. They've already got a guy waiting in the wings for Chooks for. So to me, it's a lot easier to say 
okay, you know what? You're acting the fool. We're taking you out of the lineup. I mean, it would be like, um, you know, it would be like if uh, if uh, T.J. Watt, right, acted out. Or, or better yet, do you remember what, 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 what James Harrison? Do you remember he had the uh, the domestic situation, right? Yeah. And and uh, he basically got a little, basically a little reprimand from the Roonies, but that was about it, right? And there was this big long explanation why they weren't going to. And then who was it? Was it Cedric Wilson or who was it? Yeah, yeah, Cedric, right. yeah it was it him? He gets into a, a, a domestic thing and they cut him and talk about, oh well, you know. We can't have this in the Steelers organization. We won't stand for it. Well, again, the rules are different when you're James Harrison and nobody can do what you can do. And when you're, you know, a receiver or whatever that, uh, you know, we can go out, you know, uh, Cedric Wilson, he was a receiver, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was a receiver. You know, I can go out and drive around the north side and find, five, find four or five guys that probably could do what he can do. So guess what? You're the guy that we, we make the example out of. Uh, that's just how life is. You know that. I mean, it's, it's always hilarious. That we, uh, I remember, yeah, I remember when uh, when uh, uh, Florida State was in the uh, Sugar Bowl, getting ready to play for the national championship, and uh, two nights before the game, what was the kicker they had? The left hand, left footed kicker, the kick for the Raiders for thirty years. It seems like oh, Janikowski. Janikowski. Yeah, Sebastian Janikowski. Uh, it's not only stayed out late, but he came back and he was hammered. Right, he missed. So he missed curfew. He was hammered. You know all this other stuff, and you know they were talking about, are you gonna, uh, you know, are you gonna suspend him or this and that and everything? And and Bobby Bowden's like, I'm. I mean, we got to win a football game, so I'm not. I'm not gonna cut off my nose to, despite this. You know, despite my face. Uh, you know, he was just out having a good time, and he's old enough. So you know, but if it would have been like. Some walk-on guy or some guy, you know what I'm saying? You better believe he'd have been caught. And it was just, we're not, we got roles here. That's just yeah. how it is, you know. Yeah, but this is this is why people get uh, people don't like that double standard, Paul. And I get I get it on a certain level. Um, you know, it's it's it, it's a through line of the of the Tomlin era that people just it's never really sat well with them, and I don't necessarily blame them. Last thing, real quick on the uh, the Broderick Jones situation, he's at right tackle right now. Um, how soon do you need to see him at left tackle to say to justify trading up to go get him in the draft? Do you really want to spend that draft capital on a right tackle? Um, and and I don't you know I don't think there's going to be a convenient time to to move Dan Moore out of there if it, we haven't already arrived at it. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that whole left versus right situation? Well, I think because they're in the throes of a playoff race, I wouldn't have a, a problem if they left it like this for a few weeks. You know, but it, it, to your point, Adam, if they don't start training camp next week, next year, if, if tra- actually forget about that, if the OTAs or whatever, if not, if they don't start that with Broderick Jones at the left tackle, then you got to really question what they what what they did and why they did it. No question about it. I could live with them saying, "Listen, we're in the middle of a playoff chase, right? This year, we just we don't want to upset the apple cart. This 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 combination of tackles right now, we don't really have time to." To, to, to make, you know, the changes we need to make in order to make it work so that he can be the left tackle. I, I get it. I'd be okay with it. But if he is not the starting left tackle going into, I don't even know what's first these days, rookie minicamp is that first or OTA or no, actually he wouldn't even be at rookie minicamp. The other minicamp, <laughs> the OTA or whatever, whatever is first. If he is not the starting left tackle, then it's a problem. 
Yeah, I agree with that, Paul. We're going to get into Penn State, Michigan, Michigan's uh, sign-stealing investigation um, jamboree. But here in a second, before we do, just want to thank a couple more sponsors. Goldberg, Persky, and White, if you were diagnosed with mesothelioma or lung cancer, call your local attorneys at Goldberg, Persky, and White. For over 40 years, their firm has represented thousands of lung cancer and mesothelioma victims. Call 1-800-COMPLEX or visit gpwlaw.com for a free consultation. Also want to thank Propel Schools. Propel's 13 public charter schools in Allegheny County build a solid academic foundation for lifelong learning and offer more personalized instruction at every level during your child's kindergarten through 12th grade education journey. Give your children the quality education they deserve. Learn more and apply to Propel Schools by visiting propelschools.org. Um, Paul, on, on Twitter this week, uh, you quote tweeted a video of, of James Franklin basically complaining that Penn State doesn't get any credit uh, for beating <laughs> anyone other than Ohio State um, and Michigan. Um, I think you, it may, may or may not have been a crying baby gif. Um, and yes. and on, on a certain level, I get it, Paul. But on another level, before we dig into this matchup in earnest, don't you at this point like have to give him some benefit of the doubt because of the the teams that he plays so often stink and like the whole the most of the Big Ten stinks, Paul. And then if you look around like a thirteen state region around Penn State, Pitt stinks, West Virginia stinks, Syracuse stinks. These teams that they have played will play um, the the easiest teams to schedule. The teams that are around you, they all stink. And, and at what point is that their problem and their fault? rather than James Franklin, who's going out there and, and beating the tar out of them, because they ultimately, I think, Paul, deserve it. Well, I think in his point, his quote was uh, that basically it feels like sometimes when I come in here after a win, you know, it doesn't feel like a win because, you know, people don't have an appreciation for, you know, the, 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 you know, the fact that we win so many games. Well, first of all, I mean, he's, there's an old saying, to whom much is given, much is expected. And at the end of the day, he should beat all these teams. But if he really wants to get the credit that he deserves, he's got to beat the teams that are at his level, really, if you think about it, or better than him. And and until that happens, you know what? You're going to keep coming into media rooms and people are going to be like, okay, this is wonderful. You want a game. Well, well, big deal. James Franklin, the biggest thing with him is he's very good at winning games he's supposed to win. If you want to give people ask me about James Franklin, I said he's the ultimate CEO coach. I think he's a really good face for the program. I think he has built a good, you know, foundation. He's a great recruiter. All of that stuff is true. I don't think he's very good. I don't think he's great on game day. I said, but I think he, you know, he's not the worst I've ever seen in terms of some of the decisions he makes during the. But the thing about it is, he is one of the best at beating the teams he's supposed to beat. But. Unfortunately, that's kind of that's kind of who it is. It kind of it's kind of what it is. Penn State fans, listen. It's on some level. I'm sure for the administration, they're giddy. If you told them they're going to go ten and two every year, they're giddy, right? They're, they're, that probably means they're going to get a, a New Year's Six bowl or something, right? Um, it means that they're going to have a winning team that's competing for the Big Ten. They'd be happy. But Penn State fans, they want to see. You know, they got a, a little taste of how good it could be a few years ago when they won the Big Ten. They want to see Penn State, you know, win some of these games. So my point with that whole thing with him whining about it is, okay, James, here the thing is, you beat up Maryland, wonderful. A win is a win. We're happy for you. But if you really want to change that narrative, 
next week when you play Michigan, go win that game. You win that game, all of a sudden, guess what? Everyone's going to give you a pat on the back and tell you how great you are. But until then, if you lose to Michigan, what, what are we to make of this season other than you're better than the rest of the teams? They, in your own words, they stink. I just don't know what to say. Yeah, I, I just – I totally, you know, respect the, the not getting it done and, and not getting Penn State to the level is a perfectly valid criticism of James Franklin. I just think it's also fair if you're him – to say, hey, Texas A&M seems to get – like, I don't know. Every time I turn on the television at 3.30 p.m., Paul, Texas A&M is playing a ranked team, and half the time they win and half the time they lose, but at least they get to play teams that the, the game matters and, and you can convince yourself, you know, that, that, that this is worth investing three hours of your time. Um, I, I just think I, – I, I don't blame him for, for being upset that there's so many just, like, worthless wins on his schedule because of the state of the Big Ten – and you could say, I think, Northern football in general. So, you know, I get it, but go out and beat Michigan and we won't be having these conversations. Uh, absolutely. That game, That's the big thing. Yeah. Speaking of that game, Paul, what, what read do you have on it? Do you have any faith that this is the this is the time that James Franklin gets the monkey off his back, wins a game that puts him in position at least to maybe make the college football playoff? I think there's a lot of national math that's a little fuzzy for Penn State right now. Um, so I don't think it's a guarantee you make the playoff, but at least you give yourself a chance if you win this game. Um, how do you size up this matchup and, and your level of faith that this will be the, the the Saturday Penn State fans have been waiting for? Well, I, I think there's a lot going on with Michigan right now, obviously. And I think that, you know, the cumulative effect of those kind of distractions, this is could be the kind of game where that shows up, you know, uh, if you're, who did they play last week? They smoked some, uh, Purdue. You're better than Purdue. So even though you might not be hundred percent focused and all that other stuff, you're going to win the game. If you just show up and play a reasonably decent game, I kind of feel like all that is going around the Michigan program, you know, Harbaugh, the assistant coach, the fake assistant coach or whatever, the science dealer guy, all this, you know what I mean? All the things, you know, is he suspended? He's not suspended. Is he this? He's that. You know, all this stuff. I think the cumulative effect of that makes them ripe to be beat. I think, actually, if you look at Michigan, they're pretty good. I mean, they're really good. They've got, you know, this isn't a team that, and then now they haven't played anybody, but uh, for the most part, this isn't a team that's a product of like a, a week schedule. I think they're really good. But I think Penn State is going to beat them this week. In fact, I would—I I don't even know what the line is. I would take Penn State outright to win. Four and a half. Plus four and a half or minus four and a half? Uh, Michigan's a four and a half point favorite. Oh, I, I mean, that's stealing money. I don't, I, I, honestly, you said that, and I mean this in all sincerity. I'll show you the, the ticket. I, 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 I'm, when I'm done here, when I'm done doing what I'm going to do, I'm going to drive straight down to the casino and put my money on Penn State plus four and a half. And then I'm going to back it up. Penn State money line. I think they're going to win. I think they're. I think they're a good team. I, I know some people are down on this Drew Lar. I think you know the offensive philosophy. I think they've held him back a little bit. They need to let him just start ripping it. And 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 I know that uh, you know he's young and they want to try and protect him that way. But I think he's a guy that likes to. He wants to throw. He wants to slug it around. And to me. You're, you're, they're holding him back. I think he's pretty good. So I look at it the whole big picture. And I feel like it really does favor Penn State. Now, we'll see if it translates to that. As long as they don't have a rash of turnovers and all that other stuff, I think Michigan's offense is good. I think their defense is good. I'm not saying that, you know, that I think Michigan is bad. I just think that the cumulative effect 
the cumulative effect of all that is surrounding Michigan. It this is the kind of game when now you're playing somebody that's pretty even with you. It shows up and gives the other team probably a little bit of an edge. Do you think Michigan should be punished for this, Paul? Um, you know, no. I, there's a, yeah, I, you're kind of getting what, what <laughs> I wanted to say, which was that I, I think I tweeted this earlier in the week. We know nothing's going to happen here. Nothing with teeth is going to happen. How many times do we see people break the rules in college football these days and nothing happens? There's no teeth. I don't think anyone's really been punished in college football since Penn State for the Jerry Sandusky scandal, and they walked that back halfway through. Penn State had a four-year bowl ban. They were back in a bowl game in two years. Um, they, they got all their scholarships back. They, um, you know, the the teeth. They took the teeth out of those penalties because. That's, that's the way the, the sport operates. They've got to keep the big brands going. I think that is magnified more than ever when you look at these TV ratings and you realize how much six, seven, eight programs in a given year are propping up really the whole television, um, all these television deals for all this money. It, it just doesn't make sense to me that they're going to do anything to Michigan, uh, whether you think they should or not. I When I say no, I mean they shouldn't do anything this year. They should let them get through this year. But I don't know what would be a fair penalty, but it shouldn't be all that strong. I mean, for God's sakes, Adam, we had basketball teams who were caught on tape actively shopping people around for $50,000 and $100,000, right? And we had that before NIL, so it was completely illegal. We had four programs whose assistant coaches went to jail from the FBI for that same scandal, right? We had, and guess what? Nothing has really happened. Okay, wait, uh, what's his name? Uh, Will Wade lost his job, but I think he's hired somewhere else, right? Someone else already hired him, right? Okay, Sean Miller lost his job. He's already back, you know what I mean? And here's the thing. If Sean Miller would have kept winning, he wouldn't have lost his job. That's the funny thing. My point is Bill Self, you know, they just gave him like an $80 million uh, extension. You know, the NCAA does not want to punish its big brands and its name brands and the people they don't want to do it so to me it'd be incredibly hypocritical if they decided now we're going to drop the hammer down especially when if you talk to football coaches who aren't in the big 10 and who aren't trying to hurt michigan right most of them will tell you like Deion sanders said a everybody's trying to steal signals and signs b b the other thing is you can know what a sign or a signal is Right. In fact, Deion Sanders said, listen, this isn't baseball. In baseball, if I know a curveball's coming, okay, that's different. I, I mean, if I know a curveball's coming, it's different. It's on. But in football, I still physically have to stop you. And, you know, for instance, when the Ohio State, the last two Ohio State games, I have to laugh. And Ohio State fans really believe that the sign signals were the problem. The problem was Michigan physically manhandled Ohio State up front on both sides of the ball. And that's why they won those games. So to me, you know, you want to give them a slap on the wrist and tell them, oh, you shouldn't do this and don't do this, yada, yada. You want to suspend Jim Harbaugh for, you know, I'm assuming next year they open up against, you know, uh, uh, you know, Michigan Tech or something. Okay, fine. Okay, good. You you have to sit out the, you know, the FBA, the FCS game or whatever. But at the end of the day, looking at how they've handled a lot of this stuff on in both men's basketball and football, I think it would be incredibly ridiculous if they brought the hammer down on Michigan. 
Well, especially in the middle of the season. I, I swear half the people on social yeah. media really, really believe that there's going to be this Dusex and Machina moment where they just wipe Michigan out of the playoff while yeah. they're – like if they beat Penn State and they beat Ohio State, you really think they're going to take them out of the out of the playoff. I mean, come on. I, it, that's just insane to me. But I will say this, Paul. I was watching that college football ranking show on Tuesday. I had Greg McElroy on with all of the, the enormous brains that they have on ESPN. And he said – well, you can't punish you can't punish this team because you can't punish these players. So they only get one more shot, you know, at going for yeah. a national championship. That would be so wrong. Well, at, at some point, Paul, if you are going to enforce the rules, you have to punish the players. <laughs> but they, that's what happened in their program. It stinks, but uh, like I hate that logic, and it gets trotted out every time something like this happens. Is well, it would be it would be an injustice to the players if we enforce the rules of the sport. So obviously we can't do anything now or possibly ever because guess what? Next year there's gonna be another group of seniors that get in their last shot. I ha- I will say I hate that logic. Yeah, I, I would say here's the other thing too. Does does Michigan play like Mar- uh Do they play like uh, Rutgers coming up or anybody? Who do they play? Indiana or one of the bad teams in between Penn State and Ohio State? Well, they're all bad, Paul. So they got at least one of them. Yeah, that, that's the kind of thing where, you know, I could see the Big Ten saying you're suspended for that game. You know? Yeah. If they win, if they beat Penn State, guess what? We're going to suspend you one game. It's going to be uh, effective this week and, you know, against a, a team that you know, they could probably not even bring any of their coaches and still beat. So at the, at, at the end of the day, I, I, I agree. It, it It's one of those things like um, the most ridiculous thing and while we're talking about enforcement is when we get to decide what the punishment is. So in other words, Syracuse, what was it two years ago or three years or four, whatever it was three or four years ago in a season where it was pretty clear they were not making the NCAA tournament. Oh, well, guess what? We're going to, we're, we're going to impose us a, a, a postseason ban this year. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Geez. Uh, well, hey, it's still a punishment. We don't get to go down to the ACC tournament. You mean the tournament you're going to go down and lose in one day and go come back? Okay, give me a break. So, you know, uh, I agree with you. It's so stupid. It's also dumb. Um, you know, Deion Sanders said it. Bill Cower with the Spygate thing said the same thing. Listen, everybody's trying to steal signs and signals, you know. So they got a little more high-tech than other people. At the end of the day, the spirit of it is teams are trying to steal your signs and signals. And so Michigan isn't really doing anything all that different than other teams, other than they, you know, they, they, uh, you know, hey, they had this, uh, this little troll looking guy, uh, you know, doing things with his electronically or whatever he was doing. Okay, fine. So they did it in a modern way. Let's fire the guy, which he already did, right? I guess he resigned, you know, like sort of like Richard Nixon, he resigned. Uh, and then basically, you know, uh, let's talk about, um, Michigan, you're going to have to pay a ten, you know, $25,000 fine. And, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh, you're going to be suspended for, uh, looks at the schedule, your second game, which happens to be the game that you're playing the worst team on your schedule, you know, something like that. So if it's my, if it's anything more than that, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I think that's the way it's going to go, Paul. I think you're dead on there. Um, hey, before we go, is Pitt going to win another game this season? And if so, who are they going to beat? They're going to be, they're going to win this week in the house that Babe Ruth built. Well, not really Babe Ruth, but Babe Ruth sort of, you get my dress. It's the new Yankee stadium, but you know, let's, you know, the house that Babe Ruth built sort of, uh, what is it? 
uh, proxy house that Babe Ruth built. Um, you want to talk about uh, a diehard football fan, Adam? Imagine going and sitting outside in, a, in Yankee Stadium to watch Syracuse versus Pitt this weekend. You've got uh, one team that's on what, a five-game losing streak, I think, and it's pretty clear their head, their head coach is dead man walking. I mean, I, you know, it's a matter – you know, it, it's a matter of does he make it through the whole season, or they just kind of like just say, okay, go home. Like they lose this week, it'll be all right. Go home. Um, you know, so you got Syracuse, and they're bad, and I think their quarterback's still out, so they're even badder than bad. They're even badder than bad. Um, and then you've got Pitt, who's just been so bad recently. I, I don't, I can't even explain. Uh, why anybody, unless you're a diehard fan, and you know what, Adam, if I had tickets to that game, I would go to New York City and and then and then go to Market Square, um, uh, go to uh, Times Square and shop, uh, uh, instead of going to the game. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know what I mean? Go to, I, I don't know why anybody would go to this game, but I think that's the game they'll win. Uh, the Boston College game suddenly looks a, a lot tougher than it probably did at the beginning of the season, didn't it? Um, you know, they've won, what, five in a row, I think. They found a quarterback, which it's amazing how you can go from looking to totally, completely inept to actually being able to win games when you get that position right. But they found a quarterback who's really good. Um, so I think that's a game that's going to be really difficult for them to win. And then at Duke, you know, if if the if the I forget who what the starting quarterback's name is, but if he's healthy and he plays, I think Pitt has zero chance of winning that game. Now, if the backup kid plays, he's not very good. You know, that'll be an ugly, you know, dog fight kind of, you know, 13 to 10 type of game. Pitt could actually win that game. So uh what are their what's their record? Two and seven, I think. Is it two and yep. seven? Um, I think they win this week to get to three and eight or three and seven. But if you ask me from three and seven, do they get to five and seven? No. So I, I, I kind of feel like they'll win this week and um, maybe win Boston College. So I think four and eight is probably, you know, the ceiling for this team. I agree, Paul. Hey, it's been – we would like to talk a little Penguins, maybe some Pirates, but we're about out of time. Paul, thanks for stopping by. Um, we'll be back next week, and we'll, I'll be talking to you after Steelers-Packers uh, this Sunday uh, right around 4 p.m. on postgazette.com, the Post Gazette Sports Now YouTube page. Uh, we'll be doing we'll be doing our chat. I'm looking forward to it. Can I say one thing that's right up your alley? Go for it. You know who one of the most exciting and fun basketball teams to watch this year is? Or will be your Penn, your Penn State Nittany Lions. You you say so, Paul. I watched. I saw. I was at the Robert Morris game, and obviously they didn't. They didn't. You know, they struggled. That was a. It was an exhibition game, and it was the first game. But I'm going to tell you, they're going to score a zillion points. I, I, they're going to be fun to watch. He's a, and he's one of these havoc guys, you know, or whatever they call him. Whatever the you know the the defense that uh, Shaka Smart runs. He he's one of those guys. So they're going to push the ball and they're going to run and they're going to press and they're going to have you know lots of possessions in their games. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to be one of the most fun teams to watch once they kind of figure out what he wants them to do. Yeah, I think they're going to be hard pressed to be more uh, exciting than they were last year when they were shooting the lights out from three. Yeah. But never know. It could be it could be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it's good to have college hoops back. We'll be digging into that more 
on these videos in the coming weeks. Uh, but Paul, I'm going to let you go and I will talk to you again on Sunday. All right, my man, we'll talk to you. See you. <laughs>